Uh, good evening, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Um, my name is Jamie Mulvaney. I'm one of the associate ministers here at this church. It's lovely to be with you tonight. Um, if you're here for the first time, or sort of one of the first times, can I also add uh, a warm welcome to you? Um, it's really great that you're here. Um, could you please pass the Bibles down um, from the ends of the rows? We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4 tonight. Acts chapter 4. And that's page... 1096, Acts chapter 4, page 1096, and um, we're going to be starting at verse 23. Uh, we're going to begin looking at that in a moment, uh, but just as we uh, find that page, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness to us. I want to thank you for your kindness to us. And uh, for those of us that know you, and for those of us that don't yet know you, we pray that each one of us will know the immeasurable power that you have for us and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. We all need power, don't we? We all need power, we all need energy, we all need fuel, we all need uh, strength. We all know what it's like to have that sort of, you know, mid-afternoon lull on a Wednesday. Um, when term began, when the new academic term began, um, I found myself, so my, my coffee intake went up by about 300%, and um, whenever people brought things like brownies to the office... I found myself just sort of wondering out loud how many was sort of socially acceptable. We all need energy, don't we? We all need strength. And we're in this series on the, on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he, he does many things. The Holy Spirit uh, adopts us. He convicts us of our sin and of our need for God. He pours God's love into our hearts. He enables us to uh, be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And he unites us, just as Michael was talking about last week. And he's also the spirit who strengthens and empowers us. Because after all, he is the spirit of Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, and then he went into the wilderness, and then he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he was preparing his followers for Pentecost, for the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he said, wait in the city until you have received my power, and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is the power of God in us. And this is important because it's not easy out there, is it? I mean, you're not going to get many pats on the back for being a follower of Jesus or being someone who comes to church. And the prevailing tide of culture, you've got to be a pretty strong salmon to swim upstream in all that we experience in this world. Jago mentioned 
a few weeks ago about um, someone in this congregation who'd, who'd been called into their boss's office because uh, she was so aware that there was something different about him, that his relationship with Jesus was the number one thing in his life. And she asked him to commit there and then that work would be the number one thing in his life. And he refused. It's a bold move. It's also a very, very good move, very, very wise move. And living in the power of the Holy Spirit, this has always been essential for followers of Jesus. In the book of Acts, which is really all about the start of the church, the the beginnings of the early church, we see uh, 3,000 people being saved when they see signs and wonders and when they hear Peter explaining what's going on boldly. We see that, that Peter heals a man who is lame and is begging. And we see the numbers of the church grow from 3,000 to 5,000. It's pretty rapid church growth. But Peter and John come into this problem because the religious leaders don't like this very much. And so they uh, throw them into prison and they call them before the Sanhedrin or the, sort of, the group of, of the authorities and they question them and they interrogate them. And they threaten them, and eventually they are released. And the thing is about Peter and John and and the people in the early church, they were not superheroes. They weren't walking around with capes on and pants over their jeans or tights. They were just ordinary people like you and me, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And these very first believers, well, they they show us what it means, what it looks like to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what happened at this moment in time when uh, Peter and John had just been released? Well, what's the first thing that we see? We see people. People. This is us. It's you and me. And I'm not going to give you a formula tonight on how we're strengthened by the Holy Spirit. People want formulas But God just wants people. God wants his people together engaging with him. And look with me at at verse 23. It says, They're on their release. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when the proverbial sort of hits the fan, we can be fight and we can be flight. But in this instance, Peter and John... They are tight. They gather around each other. They don't isolate themselves, but they return to their people. I wonder, are you able to sort of stride in here on a Sunday evening and say, these are my people? That might be a fairly bold thing to say. But I hope you are someone who can say that. And if you're here maybe for the first time, maybe that isn't possible. But can I encourage you to find a people that you can turn to? Find people that believe in the Bible and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to speed things up a bit, can I encourage you to join a connect group? Can I encourage you to join a team, to be thinking about joining a hub, being part of a hub? Having a base, having a people, having a tribe, a family, whatever you want to call it, is so important. Because it's, it's the place where we can be vulnerable 
where we can be real about what's going on in our lives, but it's also the place where we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because each believer has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And together, we are the body of Christ. And something special happens when God's people get together. And we see this throughout Acts. We, we read that the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers. The church was strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. And there's strength in numbers, in gathering as part of a growing church. As somebody is part of our congregation and um, they have led a different person to the Lord over the past three Sundays. Isn't that amazing? Here is someone who is so open, so sensitive to God's leading. And they're expectant to see him move in power. I want to be someone who is so aware of God's leading, so aware of his guiding that I'm open, I'm available to God. I'm sensing his activity and what he's doing in people's hearts and in their minds. In community, we learn to pray for each other in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's really best not to think of the Holy Spirit as some sort of just a private download that we get individually. The Holy Spirit, he's not a battery pack. He's God. He is the presence of God and he is the spirit of Jesus. And so therefore, he longs for relationship. He longs for relationship with us and he longs for us to have depth of relationship with each other. The same God who draws us to himself enables us to build up the church, to build up each other in the faith. And we see just after this passage that the believers were one in heart and mind. And God brings us together for a reason. And just as we looked at last week, the the Holy Spirit, he unites us in prayer. We see in verse 24 um, that when Peter and John had reported what had happened, uh, when the believers heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They raised their voices to prayer, together in prayer to God. And the Greek there really says one voice. Many people, but one voice. And this is God's people together crying out to God in unity. And this is why we have the prayer meeting, as Tim's just spoken about. As we come together as one heart, one mind, one voice, praying to God for the same issues, praying for our church, praying for our community, which is particularly in need this week, and praying for our world. It's also because we are totally dependent on God for all the things that we want to do and the things that we want to see God do. But it's also why here on a Sunday, and it's why in connect groups, it's so good that we can be real about what's been going on in our lives, and we can pray for each other too. And so we go to God with our problems, we go to him with our weaknesses, and where we need strengthening. And what happens 
when we do that? Well, very often I find that when I pray to God, when I cry out to God, he gives me a new perspective. A new perspective. That yes, the struggle is real, but so is God. What kind of God do we pray to? In verse 24, we see there, sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. And the word there for sovereign in the Greek is despota, or despot. Now, I, um, obviously God is kind and he is good. He's not a despot. But we get the sense there, don't we, that he is all-powerful, that he is sovereign, he is in control, that nothing gets past God. And you see there in, uh, from verse 25 that they, they quote Psalm 2 toward God. And this is all about the Messiah. It's all about the Messiah as the Son of God. We see there in verse 26, the anointed one. The anointed one who is destined to rule the world. And so this is a Jesus-shaped prayer to a Jesus-shaped God. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He points us to Jesus. And what we see in in verse 27 is is the really shocking claim that those who, who conspired against Jesus and killed him were only doing what God's power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So God is in control. And when you're aware that the one that you're praying to is sovereign, when you're aware that the one that you're praying to is in control, you see your problems for what they really are. And so the disciples who were known for facing their accusers and their killers with such boldness and such bravery, they can see the Sadducees for who they are. Just some ordinary playground bullies. And so they begin by praying, Sovereign Lord. And they go on to pray all about God's sovereign will or his purpose. And God has a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. And he has a purpose for his power in our life. And what do we see in verse 29? And they, they pray there, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. It's interesting here that, that they don't pray that their enemies would uh, stop or dial it down a little or that they'd die. But they pray that they themselves would be emboldened. That they would speak the word of God boldly. Jesus wants bold followers. He wants followers that don't hang back. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, your mission that we've seen right at the beginning of the book of Acts is to be a witness to Jesus, to reveal Jesus to people, to to witness to his power and his presence. And so being empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's linked to this purpose. We don't just get power for power's sake. So if you're you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life at the moment, I wonder, is it because you haven't linked yourself to this mission? 
Is it that you've turned in and, in and on yourself? Because if my life is just all about me and my mission, then I don't really need the Holy Spirit for that, do I? But if my life is about Jesus' mission and what Jesus is all about, then I definitely need God's power for that. If you want to see God move in power, pray in line with his will, pray in line with his purposes, but also pray for power, pray for strength. We are called, as Christians, to do things that we can only do in God's power. A few uh, weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I found myself um, striding along to Down- Downing Street, and uh, I went through uh, the security, and I um, uh, was then sort of found myself walking up to uh, the door at number ten. I thought this is already quite cool, um, and. Um, uh, as someone who studied history, as someone who studied politics, it was, it was you know, a really big moment for me. And then a policeman opened the, the door of number 10 and I went inside. And I went upstairs and, and there were a group of us there that were there for um, a farewell drinks for someone called James, who's part of this, uh, this service here. And uh, he, he had his colleagues there. Um, there were some of us that were here as, there as well. And it was an amazing evening. Um, to be there, and, and basically um, James was moving on from uh, working for the Chancellor of the Exchequer, working for Philip Hammond, who's just passed down the, the latest budget this past week, and he was moving on to a different department, and he was having uh, leaving drinks, and uh, Philip Hammond came up into the room, and he uh, shared lots of funny stories about James, and then uh, James shared some funny stories to about uh, Mr. Hammond, and then, and then James said this, Above all, I want to thank Jesus Christ, who is my saviour and my king, and who has been my certain hope and the rock I have rested on through all the uncertainties, troubles, and stresses of the past 18 months. Speaking with great boldness about the hope that he has to his colleagues and to the second most powerful leader in this country. And he really didn't have to do that, did he? The thing that um, strikes me about James is that he's one of the least brash person I know. Being bold is not about raising your volume, but it's about having confidence in who Jesus is and his power in your life. It's very unlikely that God will call you to yell at people on street corners. He might do, but it's very unlikely. What's more likely is that he will transform you into someone who is confident in Jesus, in what he's done in your life, and is sensitive to speak the words boldly wherever you are the way that he has made you to be. The Holy Spirit empowers us with a purpose. Your purpose is to be someone who is bold for Jesus wherever you are in your everyday life. 
I wonder what a 10 times bolder version of you would look like in your workplace, in your home, with your family, with your friends. And we so often settle for less, don't we? We miss out on opportunities, and we hang back, and we um, miss out on opportunities to speak to the people in our lives about the hope that we have. Because we're complacent, or we're preoccupied, or because we just don't want to ruffle feathers. So often when I go to the hairdressers and the man asks me how I'd like my hair cut today, I really want to say in complete silence. (laughs) We're called to be proactive. We're called to be bold. Taking risks, for that is what faith is. It's action, it's taking a risk. You know, what do they say in Star Trek? To boldly go. And I know what you're all thinking. You're all thinking, Jamie, that's a split infinitive. (laughs) But it's still true, isn't it? It requires action. It requires risk. It requires going and it requires doing. And so you can either settle for superficial Christianity, which is the most boring thing in the world, Or you can pray to be empowered by God. You can pray to know his power and to be bold for him. And tonight I think God is challenging us to raise that prayer that we would be bold followers of Jesus. To be the number one prayer request in our life. That above our circumstances changing, above things around us changing, that he would make us bold. Then in verse 30, knowing that we're partnering with God, we pray for God to, to stretch out his hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders. Specific, general prayers, all of the above. God, show your power here. The, the, the tragedy is, is that so many followers of Jesus aren't open to God's power, let alone expectant for his power. And so they never see God do things outside of the box because they put him in one. But we see here that he's the sovereign Lord. And so he's either the sovereign Lord or he's not. If he's the sovereign Lord, then we can't limit him. The same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God who um, we saw Jesus calming the storm and healing people, turning water into wine. This same Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Now I see no evidence in the New Testament for watering down the words of Jesus. I see an awful lot in the New Testament about having nothing to do with any teaching that does water down the teaching of Jesus and having nothing to do with people that deny God's power. They will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater works than these. I want to be someone who is expectant, not just open but expectant, to see God move in power. We see there in verse 31, after they prayed, the the place where they were meeting was shaken. 
And if we are to be an unshakable people, we need to be shaken by something, or someone, more to the point, who is unshakable, the sovereign Lord. And that is how we become resilient. That is how we become bold, and that's how we become strong. Now, I can trace moments in my life. I can think of a time this year when I've experienced that shaking. I've experienced the tangible presence of God and his presence empowering me. And then I've seen the fruit of that in my ability to speak boldly and with confidence about who Jesus is. And if you've ever experienced that, if you've ever experienced God's presence, maybe you sensed him earlier tonight in the worship for the very first time. When you experience that, you'll, you'll be wrecked for anything else. It's not about seeking a power trip, but it's seeking God's presence. And in his presence, we can't help but be transformed. We can't help but be strengthened. And when you think about Battersea Power Station, for decades it stood as a crumbling old relic. But it was supposed to bring power. It was supposed to bring energy. And what we see now is that place being transformed into a hub of life again. The beating heart of Clapham. It's not Inferno's. It's not number 32, Old Town. It's not even Clapham Common Tube Station at 7.45 on a Monday morning. Because those things, those places won't give people what they desperately need. We won't see burdens lifted and captives set free and eyes opened. The, the beating heart of Clapham, the beating heart of London is the church. But it's not about the building, it's the church, it's the people in the church empowered to live like Jesus and to minister like Jesus to those around us at the point of the, where we're looking at in this passage the disciples have only um, just really had Pentecost where they've received the Holy Spirit and we see that, that Peter was the one who was, um, he denied Jesus, he was a quivering wreck, and he was transformed into someone who boldly proclaimed Jesus' name. And so there's hope for you and there's hope for me. But they've just had Pentecost. So why, why do they need to be filled with him again? We see in verse 31 that even though Pentecost had just happened, they were going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the New Testament. We go on being filled by him. That this is not a one-off event, but we seek God's power. We seek his presence all the time. Because having churches, having churches full of people, isn't actually going to make a skerrick of difference to this world and the needs of the world, unless those people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so many of the spiritual disciplines, so many of the spiritual classes and 
exercises that are very quickly becoming part of the mainstream Western lifestyle. They're all about you. Whereas the Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. And they're all about escaping reality. Whereas the Holy Spirit is all about entering our reality in all its mess. And they're so often about emptying your mind. Whereas the Holy Spirit is all about filling our mind, filling our hearts, filling our bodies with him, with the very God who created them, with the very one who knows us and loves us intimately and wants to minister to us and wants us to be people of power in this world. And so if I'm going to be strengthened, I don't need emptying, but I need filling. I need filling with the sovereign Lord, with the creator God. God wants to fill you. He wants to empower you with him. So when we pray, come Holy Spirit, it's not just a therapeutic thing. It's not just a thing about making me feel better, but it's an empowering thing. It's so that you and me might be people that speak boldly about Jesus. Whenever I come forward for um, prayer, and um, I'm very rarely asking or wanting a long and wordy prayer, because I've just heard a sermon. I don't need another sermon. What I need is the Holy Spirit. What I need is the Holy Spirit to fill me. I need the Holy Spirit to empower me. Not so much to pray that Jesus would change situations around me, but that Jesus would change me. That he would make me bold. That he would make me bold in the way that I go about my life. Bolder to share the hope that I have in Jesus. Bold not just to be open to, but to be actively seeking the signs and the wonders and the healings that point people to him. And so it's as we turn to each other, as we turn to the people that God has called us to be part of, and as God empowers us to pray to him, and as our, as our minds are filled with the love and the power of Jesus we get a new perspective. We become confident in our purpose and we go out from here. We go out from here to live and to work in the power of God that we might speak the word of God boldly. And when you think about this embryonic church in the book of Acts and how they changed this world and they built this movement that has lasted 2,000 years that has transformed society they were people that actively sought the empowering of the Holy Spirit can you just imagine what we might be able to see in our lifetime if we together actively sought God's Spirit Last year, I was in New York City when um, British Airways is supposedly 
uninterruptible power supply was interrupted. And um, I did make it back to Heathrow, uh, but 75,000 people were stranded, and it cost the company 150 million pounds in revenue. Quite a lot more in reputation as well. But they're not alone, poor old BA. Apparently, 75% of businesses rely on power that might cut out. My question to you tonight is this. Are you plugged in to the mains? Do you know what it is to know the power of God in your life? Have you asked him? Being a Christian is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. As the band um, come back, would you like to stand? As we respond to what I've been talking about, as we respond to what we've heard, tonight what we're going to do now is we're going to um, sing to God, we're going to sing to God a song about the activity and the presence of his Holy Spirit, longing to see the signs and the wonders and the healing uh, in this world today, and longing to be emboldened by him. And so as we sing this song to God, just be aware of what God is doing in you. Be real with him. Um, But let's begin by offering this song to God and using it as a prayer, using it as a prayer for the Holy Spirit to come, not only in our world, but in each one of us.